Welcome to another edition of the Puck Authority Podcast. I'm glad to be joined again this week by our very own Armand Klisovich, who covers Adirondack Thunder of the ECHL. Armand, thank you for taking the time this evening. Not a problem, Justin. Glad to be aboard. All right, so let's start off and, I mean, talk about the team you cover. Again, Adirondack, the Thunder in Glen Falls, New York, and get a, an idea of what's been going on with the team recently. I'll let you lead that charge. Why don't we start off... Uh, with the the back the back to back games both on the road and at home against Brampton and then we'll jump into uh their series in Newfoundland. It's it's been promising the uh last few games, Justin, for they have been struggling mightily uh this season. But it was nice to see him pick up uh a win in a win against Brampton, even though uh it was on the road. But I think the most important thing is these last two games in Newfoundland, you know, they're playing, they played a very, they played a first place team who's won now 14 straight at home and took them to overtime in both the games to, to at least pick up a point. Um, they do sit right now um, in fourth place, uh, only a point ahead of Maine, but the, the biggest problem that's going to be an issue is, Maine has six games in hand on them, and Reading, who is six points ahead of them, has three games in hand on them. Right, and when you when you look at points and point production, you look at a name like Casey Piero Zabatel, who's I mean, who really, really is pushing the help to Adirondack Thunder. Can you talk a little bit about his talent and and I mean, as he is a leading uh, leading goal scorer for the team, uh, what kind of impact he's been having all season long and continues to have for the Thunder at this point? You know, the Thunder came into the season. They didn't really have many big goal scorers. And Piero Zabatel has been carrying the uh, load for them. Uh, he did in the beginning of the season. And now he's starting to get a little bit more help from guys like Mike Spatula, uh, Matt Salhaney, and uh, Robbie Payne. But he's really been one of the biggest key parts of the uh, Thunder so far and leads the team. It's actually second in the team on the power play. Right. And again, you mentioned that he, while he is carrying the load, he's being assisted by uh, a couple others like Matt Salhaney, uh, Robbie Payne. Let's talk about Robbie Payne for a second, who uh, just yesterday was named to the ECHL All-Star Game in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, what can you tell us about that and what we can expect for that game coming up? You know, Justin, I was very surprised that uh, it was Robbie Payne who got the uh, call for the All-Star game. Uh, I personally thought it was going to be Zabatel who leads the team right now with 17 goals. Um, but as I was looking at the stats uh, earlier, Payne is the only player out of those three or four guys who has a uh, positive plus minus this season with the Thunder. Right. And he's, again, been, been one of the one of the more impactful players on, on the team this year. Though, again, there's Pierre Zabatel, Sainé. Um, and again, the, the list does go on. But all right. So let's, let's turn that now. I mean, well, we are surprised that it, it wasn't Pierre Zabatel and that we're, my, I guess my question is, did you think at all that maybe a goaltender would get the call? No. Uh, Adirondack's really been struggling in that department. Uh, although, it has been looking up the last two games um, for them. But the go- goaltending has really been an issue for them. 
um, this season. Um, you know, McAdams played in seven, gotten seven wins in 21 games this year um, and has a 86 save percentage. And Cormier, who's been up and down, uh, has only picked up three wins in nine appearances, but has but for those games he's taken the thunder into overtime, which you know is has been a uh, storyline for the thunder as they have ten overtime losses, uh, ten overtime and shootout losses this season. Right, and again, that's uh, that's attributed to to the thunder who. I mean, again, there's always room for improvement, and the Thunder clearly clearly need that. However, they were able to pick up two important points uh, in Newfoundland with two games against the Growlers. And uh, I guess uh, looking onward from that, can you talk about uh, what's coming up next for the Thunder? Yeah, they have, you know, they have a very favorable schedule uh, coming up. They play uh, Friday night in uh, Worcester and Saturday night. In Maine, uh, two teams that, you know, Worcester's been struggling this year. And Maine's been a team they that's going to be behind them. And these are going to be crucial games for them against Maine and against Worcester. Even though Worcester is, you know, about six points behind them, it's definitely going to be a uh, an important game, especially with the way Adirondack's been playing this year. Right, and when you talk about important games, we jump back to the ECHL All-Star Game coming up. And again, Robbie Payne, uh, the representative of the Adirondack Thunder. Um, there is more importance to this than just the ECHL. Um, and that that's attributed to the league kind of following the NHL's footsteps uh, for uh, All-Star Game festivities. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what it is that the league is doing to... Um, bring inclusivity and more into uh, what should be a special weekend in Kansas? Yeah, um, the NA, the ECHL is kind of following in the NHL's footsteps. They're doing the um, three-on-three uh, tournament um, at like the NHL. But what's a little bit different is the skills competition is going to be on the same day. It's going to take place um, in between the tournaments. And one thing that the, uh, as you were mentioning, Justin, the the uh, ECHL is part in their partnership with the uh, Professional Women's Hockey Player Association. Uh, four members of the USA Women's Hockey Team will be joining them um, in Kansas. Right, and these these women are from the the U- the U.S. National Women's Team, include Danny Cameronese. Uh, Kelly Flanagan, Gigi Marvin, and Annie Penkowski. Uh, they are part of the PWHPA and have been playing uh, all season in the, the the association's Dream Gap Tour, which this week is taking them uh, back to Toronto for six games, uh, then later on Philadelphia in about a month and a half. Um, and again, this isn't the first time that uh, a hockey league has shown interest in, in adding these all-star woman uh, to special events. Last year, the NHL in San Jose had Kendall Coyne Schofield, Brianna Decker, Renata Fest, Rebecca Johnson, and this is all in light of the CWHL's folding. Um, so that'll be nice for the ECHL to be able to, to bring them on um, to see what these Olympians can do and, uh, you know, 
add, add a special touch to the ECHL weekend. But um, I guess as we talk about this weekend, is there anyone who you are expecting to stand out uh, amongst the bunch who was uh, named to the game yesterday? You know, there was, when I was looking at the rosters, there was one name that, you know, covering the Thunder stood out to me. And that had to be uh, Jake Elmer. He has been, as I've mentioned in my articles, he has been a Thunder killer this year. Um, I believe he's gotten like 10 or 11 goals against the Thunder this year. So I expect him to really shine um, in the All-Star game uh, later this month. Um, another game that comes, another game that, uh, comes to mind, Ugo Pekalekinen, uh, who spent time with the, the uh, Sabres earlier on. Uh, I expect him to have a to have an impact in the game as well. Ugo Peke Lukin, also a former member of the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League. He was their starting goaltender and really, really stood out. He was a star. And I mean, this is really, this is only, only the first of many All-Star games for him, for him as, I mean, he's at a point where he's only rising and you can only go up. So that's a name that's uh, being high, highly looked at and um, should be very promising um, after really making the Cincinnati Cyclones proud all season long. So now uh, another part of this special weekend coming up is the ECHL Hall of Fame class. Can you talk a little, a little bit about uh, the impact of that and who we have on the list this year? Yeah, we actually have some solid names on the list. Um, one of them, including uh, head coach, from the uh, Colorado Avalanche, uh, Jared Bednar, who uh, was the first uh, player to win three uh, Kelly Cups. Uh, Two of them he won as a uh, player, and another one as an assistant coach. Right, and Bednar spent 15 years in the ECHL as a player, associate coach, and head coach, in addition to his time later on with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Like you mentioned, he was the first player to win three cups in the ECHL, those all coming with the South Carolina Stingrays. Um, Do you want to add a little bit more about uh, who joins him to round out this year's Hall of Fame class? Yeah, uh, adding uh, uh, we also have uh, Glenn Metropolit, who... uh, has was it basically a uh, traveling in the NHL? He played with Washington, Tampa, Atlanta, St. Louis, Boston, Philadelphia, and Montreal. Um, he spent his first two professional years in the ECHL. Uh, had sixty-one points in his first year, and then fifty-eight in the second. Um, he's one of the only guys. It's nice to see uh, a few of these guys who start at such a low level as the ECHL and find their way up to the uh, NHL. Right. Uh, Bednar being one of those, but of course, as a coach, not a player. Um, so you mentioned Glenn Metropolit. Uh, who else do we have on order? Uh, Der- uh, Derek Clancy, who spent uh, all but 50 of his professional games in the ECHL. Um out of those 441 games, he tallied 524 points over eight seasons with Winston-Salem, Winston-Salem, Erie, Toledo, Columbus, and Chesapeake. He's tied seventh in league history 
Um, and he's ranked 30, 23rd in all-time career points. He also is tied for the most assists in a single ECHL game. Uh, while he recorded seven helpers for Columbus on January 13th in 1996 against Johnstown. All right, so we've got uh, two very uh, highly touted names in addition to Bednar. And do you want to talk about the final name that's uh, rounding out this year's Hall of Fame class? Yeah, rounding out the uh, Hall of Fame class is Danny Busquet, who put up an impressive 550 points in only 389 career games over six full seasons with um, Binghamton and PD. Um, he, in his first season, he won Rookie of the Year. Um, to the ECH all ECHL second team, and finished third in the league scoring race with 107 points. Uh, those coming with 54 goals and 53 assists. He had 35 goals in each of his six seasons with in his career. Um, and he ranks 10th in ECHL history with 254 goals, and is tied for 16th with 550 points and 30th with 296 assists. So it should be a very special weekend in Wichita, Kansas, when the ECHL All-Star Game gets underway. That is Wednesday, January 2nd, 2020, when the festivities start. And that inclu- that includes, uh, again, the skills competition with the PWHPA and uh, many more festivities in addition to the game itself. So with, with the ECHL wrapping up here, let's move on to the National Hockey League, where we turn our attention to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Canadians under Mark Bergevin's watch uh, as general manager have been quite busy as of late. Uh, the team recently acquired Marco Scandella from the Buffalo Sabres while uh, sending an exchange to Mike Riley. And then on another note, they signed Ilya Kovalchuk, who is a free agent after uh, requesting uh, to be waived or traded from the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, let's get into that a little bit and what we can expect from these players. Let's start off with, I mean, Kovalchuk, because that is... Uh, that it appears to be the bigger name here. Yeah, so it's a very smart move by Montreal, um, especially with the injuries they have to Gallagher, Druin, Byron. It's it's a great move for Montreal. Um, as we saw last year, he's playing on the top line for Montreal. And, you know, even when these guys come back, I still expect Kolchak to be a guy who's going to be, you know, second, third line guy. And he's exactly what Montreal needs. You know, he'll be a guy who'll get you those second or third line minutes. And he and Montreal needs scoring. And he's one of those guys who, who can bring it for them, especially on a two-way deal. But even though it is a two-way deal, Justin, I don't see him going down to the AHL anytime soon. Right. And I think the hope is that he stays with uh, the Canadians, at least for majority of their season's remainder. Um and I mean, obviously, this this comes on the hands of a deal with the Habs that is a two way deal. Uh, after coming back to the NHL on a three year deal worth six million with the Los Angeles Kings, uh, he looks to to add to the veteran presence, especially uh, with Brendan Gallagher, uh, one of the team's longest tenured players, currently out with a concussion, uh, which was suffered on New Year's Eve against Carolina. He looks to. Uh, bring the impact offensively and defensively and be able to be a leader both on and off the ice. Um, so that's, I mean, that's one thing to 
to be happy about as a Canadians fan. Um, but let's talk about Marco Scandella now, again, acquired from the Buffalo Sabres. What can you tell us about that one? You know, I, I like the move from Montreal. Um, if you look, Mike Riley, when he was acquired, he really never had a spot on this team. Uh, he was in the lineup. He was out of the lineup. So I'm not surprised to see him get dealt. Um, Scandella is like Montreal needs a, a, a stay-at-home defenseman. He brings size, and he's going to be a perfect guy who can fit on the second or third pairing for Montreal and has experience, which they lack uh, on the blue line. Brent Scandella joins the team, um, and uh, again, he is the nephew of former Montreal Canadiens forward and current play-by-play broadcaster on TSN 690 Montreal, uh, Sergio Momesso. And um, again, 29 years old, six foot three, and he, he's a he's a tall and heavy guy, 212 pounds. Uh, and as a left-handed shooter, uh, which the which the Habs are happy to add more of, um, can you talk more about his uh, the impact that he brings as, while he's in the final season of a five-year, twenty million dollar contract? Yeah, you know he basically brings to Montreal. He, he shores up their blue line a little bit. Um, as we've been seeing this year, Montreal really has has been uh, swapping guys in and out of the lineup. Um, so I don't think we'll see much of Kulak anymore. But I really think that Montreal needed another guy on, on the blue line. I've been saying, you know, Mete, he's starting to get those first line minutes with Weber. But the question is, you really don't have – you didn't have a guy who could play alongside – uh, Petrie, and I think that's exactly what Scandella brings for, for Montreal moving forward. Right, Scandella originally selected by the Minnesota Wild in the second round, 55th overall uh, in the 2008 NHL entry draft. Uh, he should be uh, an impactful player with the Montreal Canadiens, and the question now is, again, like you mentioned, uh, how much more of Brett Kulak we see. Uh, he might just find himself being optioned to the American Hockey League's Rocket de Laval. Um Again, time will only tell. Um, but in joining um, Marco Scandella and Ilya Kovalchuk on the Montreal Canadiens, they've also acquired minor league forward Andrew Sturtz and a fifth-round pick at the 2021 NHL entry draft. Um, Sturtz is likely to go down to the Laval Rocket. Um, but so time will only tell really what the impact is there, but a promising future for the Habs. And this might only be their starting point with the NHL trade deadline still to come. Is there anything you'd like to see um, Montreal continue continue to do at this point uh, to to make some more needed tweaks to the team going forward? Yeah, you know, the actually just made a trade about an hour ago, um, getting rid of Michael McCarron, who they sent to Nashville, in exchange for uh, Lauren. Dufon, uh, who will be option to Laval. Um, and Lev- McCarron's been an interesting guy with Montreal. Um, he really hasn't been a guy who's gotten those minutes in Montreal. Um, and even last year, I was I was been saying that M- McCarron's going to get dealt. The question is, what is it going to be for? Is it going to be for a pick? And you know what? Montreal is really solidifying their um, AHL team uh, in the last few days, if you look at some of the moves they've been making. 
Right. And so this is really just another one of those. Meanwhile, uh, losing a player whose impact has been, I guess, to say to say in a fair way, the least questionable, uh, just like other picks just like him, which include Jared Tenorti, Nathan Bolio, Alex Galchenyuk and Nikita Sherbach, all players of the past of the Canadians. Uh, who Bergevin has uh, slowly over time dealt. McCarron now becomes um, the most recent player as he's a six foot six, two hundred thirty two pounds, and is a former twenty fifth overall pick of Montreal to two thousand thirteen NHL entry draft. And we also can't forget that Montreal, the Rocket, did lose um, Hayden Verbeek, who will be missing time. Um, with an injury. Right, and that's something else to be very cautious of. Hayden Verbeek, uh, an up-and-down member of both the Laval Rocket and the ECHL's Adirondack Thunder. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. Um, I guess since we're talking about players who have been up and down from the Thunder uh, to the NHL and elsewhere, uh, goaltender Michael McNiven, uh, is there any update of sorts that you can provide us uh, with regards to where he's at? Um, you know, in the beginning of the year, I was, I like, I was very surprised that, uh, you know, he came to Adirondack and he really didn't get much playing time. And that's basically when Montreal realized that and optioned him to Jacksonville. And he's had a very solid year in Jacksonville. Um, I do expect him to see a little bit more time in the AHL because he has been performing very well in the ECHL. But I think he's one of those guys who, you know, in the next year or two could definitely be a guy who's going to be a full-time AHLer. Right, and that's that's certainly what it's looking more and more like. Uh, McNiven currently with Springfield, um, but against one who's more than likely to only make it as, again, a full-time AHLer. So we'll see where that one goes. Um, I mean, the Habs really thought that that was a promising move when they when they added him to the team. Um, but nothing has really come of that so far. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, we're on, the, talk about, we're on the subject of goaltending and ECHL. One move that I really have questioned, uh, for Adirondack is their idea to, uh, release, uh, Joe Murdaka. He played in two games earlier, uh, last month. And it was basically when, when, Adirondack really didn't have a second goalie. You know, McNiven was down. Cormier was down. And he played two very, very strong games. And I was just surprised that, you know, especially with how much the Cormier has gone up and down this year, that Adirondack didn't just decide to keep him as a third goaltender. Right. I think that surprised many. I mean, at this point, given the up and downs of, of the goaltending situation, you would think that that would be the case. Um, I mean, it will, it certainly wouldn't hurt the team, but uh, clearly as of now, they see n- no need for it. Um, so again, time will tell to see uh, just uh, how much impact that has. As there's absolutely a possibility of them bringing him back and, eventually making him the, the team's third goaltender. And, I mean, some teams really need it, and Adirondack is one of them who you can really prove a case about. Um, really, other than that, uh, things are really looking up for the Adirondack Thunder. Um, 
is there any final thoughts on on just the team itself that you'd like to add? Yeah, um, one thing Alex Lowe talked about was this: they finally get back to a reasonable schedule. Um, they, they play, you know, basically all weekends for the rest of the month. Um, with a few midweek games sprinkled in there, so I think I think the rest is really going to help them moving forward. Um, and I think that could definitely help them on the ice as well moving forward. Um, but I definitely expect uh, you know, the rest and the uh, the schedule change to really help them out moving forward. Absolutely, I think that's uh certainly going to be a, uh quite a hefty help for them. Uh, something that they could certainly use. Um, so, I mean, again, uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully that we're going to start seeing more successes out of them. Uh, Alex Lowe um, perhaps feeling more confident uh, at this point about where they're at in uh, playoff clinching possibility. Uh, can you talk about uh, the ECHL's playoff situation and uh, who's looking who's looking more closely in at this point? Yeah, well, um, in the eastern co- in the uh, eastern conference, you're looking at a team like uh, Newfoundland, who who has who right now sits at 24 and 10. Uh, there's six points up on Brampton for the top spot, uh, so I think they're definitely a uh, a lock for the playoffs moving forward. Um, another team to, to definitely look at. Um, the Allen Americans in the Mountain Division, they're 24-7-5-1, um, leading the ECHL with 54 points. Um, they've had a very strong season as well. But I think the, the one division to really watch out for moving forward is going to be the uh, the North, that, that fourth playoff spot. Um, if you look at it, Newfoundland has six points up, and there's a, there's a tie for second. And that for that that fourth spot, you know, it's a point between Adirondack and Mean, so it's going to be very interesting in the second half of the season to see uh, which teams decide to uh, figure out where their problems are and uh, which teams can't figure it out and uh, miss the playoffs moving uh, come April. Right, and um, so we'll see. We'll see where all this leads. And the final thing I will add on a uh, lesser ECHL note. Uh, the World Juniors have finally concluded. Team Canada has won gold. Uh, that happened just days ago in Ostrava, Czech Republic, uh, over the over the Russian national team. Uh, that's so with the Thunder's action amongst amongst other things that uh, made for a very exciting end to uh, what was a beautiful and peaceful holiday season. Um, lots of hockey is still ahead to go. Uh, this not just for the Thunder, but uh for the nhl and uh again uh we've got one of our own another one of our own writers benjamin steiner uh contributor from 49 sports covering the brampton beasts of the echl uh so we'll, can, we'll continue to keep tabs on both thunder and the beasts and um and the all-star game and see who surprises us who disappoints uh lots of hockey still ahead the montreal canadians uh just had um, a game last night in which Ilya Kovalchuk debuted against Winnipeg with one assist, though they lost. Um, lots of things are always changing in hockey, and we'll see, we'll see where things go. Uh, any final thoughts uh, before we start to wrap things up? I've said everything I need to say. 
All right, so that does it for another edition of the Puck Authority podcast. Please feel free to keep your eyes on thepuckauthority.com for uh, continued local coverage of the ECHL, Brampton Beast, the Adirondack Thunder. Uh, we've got a writer tonight in New Jersey covering the Devils against the Islanders. That's Gershon Rabinowitz, uh, another one of our contributors. Uh, lots going on for the Puck Authority as we continue to grow. The Winter Classic is now over. We had our prospects writer and, and COO, David, for that. Um, we are only continuing to grow. Good con- um, content is only continuing to be added here, so we'll see where things go. And as always, Armand, thank you so much for your time, and we'll be back with another episode, hopefully next week, as we continue our expanding coverage on thepocketdirty.com. Thank you for joining us.